So hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Saddlecast with myself, Glenn Price, and uh, as usual, Ollie Warner. How are you, Ollie? Hi, Glenn. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, we've got a fair bit to talk about in this episode. Obviously, as some of our uh, regular listeners will be aware, we're releasing this a little bit later due to my illness again. But um, yeah, we've got the uh, disappointing loss up at Fleetwood in the end in the FA Cup to talk about, and also the hope-restoring win against Bristol Rose at the weekend, where uh, I think that sent us into Christmas in a good mood. So yeah, we're recording this a few days before Christmas. So um, are you in the Christmas spirit, Ollie? Has, has Saturday's result perked you up a little bit? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, Saturday was good. It was very enjoyable. And um, yeah, I've been off since last Friday. Well, Thursday was the last day I worked. Um, however, work has been interrupting me every day. But um, but no, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to the um, lakes, going to see one of my mates, um, my best mate, yeah, tomorrow in Lancaster, then staying a night in the Lake District. So yeah, I feel like that kind of Christmassy kind of chill downs. On, yeah, I'm looking forward to Christmas. It's going to be pretty good. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? As I say, I think that was the, the main vibe after the game on Saturday was it was a, a good way to send everyone away from the meadow on Saturday after a quite a tough 2016 in terms of home results. So yeah, I think I'm in the Christmas spirit as well. We haven't planned a Christmas special, have we, Ollie? Because we've just got, as usual with football at Christmas time, there's so much going on that we haven't got time to plan anything special for the podcast. But I think yeah. we're going to do something special at the end of the season, which will give us a bit more time to do it. But um, yeah, it's it's been an interesting week on and off the field. So I think we'll uh, we'll delve straight into it, mate. Surely will be won't. Could be Jemson the other way. One came close. Jemson! <laughs> Thoroughly deserved. So, straight into the match action then. Obviously, uh, quite a while ago now, considering we're a bit late doing this podcast, but um, we had our replay up at Fleetwood, Ollie, um, which we were all sort of hoping things would go a little bit better than the home game. And... I, we weren't there, unfortunately, and, and there wasn't actually many town fans there at all. I think there was actually less Shrewsbury fans there than there was for the league game back in uh, back at the end of November or early December, whenever it was now. But um, unfortunately, a disappointing 3-2 loss in the end, despite going 1-0 uh, up and then obviously having Alab sent off and then going 2-0 up through uh, through Dodds. And then, yeah, one of those classic Shrewsbury Town <laughs> crumbles in the last 25 minutes of a game with, with 10 men and then they snatched it. I think it was in basically one of the last kicks of the game and, and we got the ball back for for the centre and attacked again in at the post. So it sounded like a bit of a mad end to the game. But all in all, Ollie, you know, we're, we're probably going to... Uh, and no one likes to get knocked out of the FA Cup. It's very important to Shrewsbury Town fans. But in the context of this season, you know, we're probably look, probably more happy to have lost that and got the three points on Saturday, aren't we? So uh, what do you make of our FA Cup run and then and, and getting knocked out and, and where we stand this year on the FA Cup? Yeah, it was all, I would have, it would have been nice to have a um, you know, fun um, um, non-league trip um, to go somewhere different for a change. That would have been good or a big tie. But in the context of the season and you know looking at the league table now after the Bristol Rovers game, yeah, it's clearly the league is, is the priority, isn't it? So disappointing. Mm. Shame we had to have a replay. In some ways, maybe even better just to have lost at home, which is a bit negative. But um, yeah, disappointing. You know, we, we had the lead, but in some ways, maybe just another reality check um, for the players. And it's clearly it had an impact because obviously, um, not jumping ahead, but obviously had an impact on when we went to the Prestorovers game. So I think um, you were going to just mention about the suspensions, weren't you? And that's for me mm. is kind of... Just annoying, isn't it? It's just getting a bit. We're very tired of talking about it, and it's very frustrating now, isn't it? Talking about these suspensions and stuff, and obviously now we're 
then the players are going to obviously give new players an opportunity to kind of stake a, a place in the side. And yeah, obviously, well, you go ahead. Who was who was suspended then, Glenn, for the Bristol Rovers game? Yeah, I think I think we just wanted to say really the main, you know, just despite getting knocked out of the FA Cup and, and it being a disappointment, when 2 0 up, you should, you know, hopefully be open to close games off, even with 10 men. You'd like to think we're good enough to even hold on to that, but obviously not. So it, it was a disappointment to get knocked out. But yeah, I think we, we went into the Bristol Rovers game with a little bit more trepidation than we probably had before because. First of all, we had obviously allowed getting a red card and, and him sitting out a suspension, but then Deegan and Tony both got their next yellows that triggered their suspensions. And, and because they've had so many now, I think it's 10 each, isn't it, that they have to sit out the um, Bristol Rose game and the away game at Bolton. So it was a bit of a sort of kick in the teeth, really, in the run up to Christmas and, and made us think that the Bristol Rose game was going to be something that we were going to really struggle in. So, yeah, those, those suspensions weren't great. I mean, Tony was in the paper the week after, wasn't he, sort of bemoaning his luck with referees and saying, you know, things like we've said about the fact that he's kind of got that reputation now, hasn't he, Ollie? He sort of kind of came out in the press and said very similar things to what we've been saying, I think. Yeah, he has been a bit unlucky. Um, he's also been stupid at times. Um, but yes. yeah, he has been a bit yes. lucky at times as well. But um, yeah, it, having having three players suspended, <laughs> just, yeah, it's obviously, the, we're, it was always going to catch up us eventually, wasn't it, of all the um, yellows mm. and red cards we've been picking up. Um it was interesting that Hurst before in the in the week was saying that he's going to put some new rules in some fines next next season, um, which is interesting. There was nothing in place at the moment. Um, no, but it's about players taking responsibility, isn't it, um, for themselves and their actions? And yeah, it's frustrating. This is a byproduct of um, yeah poor performances, defeats, frustration, um, a mixture of lots of things, haven't it, has contributed to these um, these suspensions. Well, but both Alab's red cards this season have been when he's been approached at by pace whilst already on a booking or or in a situation where it was likely to be a, a sort of straight red card, isn't it? Because when we were away at Berry and he, he came and sat by us, obviously that was on a booking and someone ran straight at him and he had to make that professional foul a bit late. But this is, I think the one up at Fleetwood, if someone was running past him and he sort of had a bit of a tug back, wasn't he? So we're not really surprised with that. Um, but the, the pedantic ones and the little niggly fouls and the little you know, the ones when we're having to go at referees and talking ourselves into bookings, they're the ones we've got to iron out. So whatever Paul Hurst can do towards helping that is fantastic. I, I did find it quite amusing that um, obviously uh, Paul Hurst <laughs> was out in the press the sort of few days before the Bristol Rovers game saying he's going dis- to get get on top of the discipline and ended up getting a red card on Saturday. But we'll come to that later on. <laughs> I just thought that yeah. was quite a, a, quite a funny turn of events. But um, yeah, so I, I, there's not much more we can really say about the the, um, the FA Cup game because I say neither of us were there and just disappointing really and, and put us in a bit of a, a worrying frame of mind for Bristol Rovers. But Ollie, as it turned out, we needn't have worried. The, the change of tactics and, and front foot football really paid dividends, didn't it? So do you want to just go through Saturday's uh, sort of um, details and the statistics you've dicked up and we'll go through the rest of it? Yeah, definitely. So um, so as most Shrewsbury fan, fans are aware, obviously we um, have we had um, quite a few players out, so obviously um, gave Hurst a bit of a headache in terms of team selection. Mm. So Grimmer came back in, who's obviously out through injury, um, but Don Smith played well at right back. So Don Smith moved to central defence, which obviously is preferred position. Lancashire um, played central defence with Smith and Sadler was at left back, obviously Luke Viler in goal. Um, O'Brien on the wing again, Brown on the wing again. Um, great to see have a go-go back, and I'm sure we'll mention a go-go Brilliant, quite a yeah. bit. And then, then your favourite man, Black, um, in central field um, with Dodds <laughs> um, in the number 10 as normal. And then um, um, Eban's Blake um, playing up front. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he had a solid game. So yeah, so a different lineup. Um, and yeah, I guess testament to the players and the staff that while we still had a weakened team, um, 
the players that came in were fit, were hungry and ready to go. And um, yeah, mm. we, as you will come on to maybe your, maybe worth maybe going on to your highlights, Glenn, the game started yeah. um, quite quickly, but quick before I do that, just a few stats. So um, Dodds has now scored three and three. So that's fantastic. Mm. Um, rather unbelievably, we have had five clean sheets under Hurst at home. That's just it's unbelievable. Amazing, unbelievable. It's absolutely phenomenal considering where we were and how sloppy we were <laughs> under Mellon. And then, yeah. obviously, also importantly, our first back-to-back win of the season, um, which is um, was timely as well as we're coming into January and uh, obviously has an impact on the league. But, yeah, two wins, Millwall away and obviously Bristol Rovers at home. Um, yeah, fantastic. And, um, yeah, a well-deserved win. But um, probably worth you going on to Glyn saying, because you've made a nice comment about the most ni- nice note about the start of the game. Yeah, I would just say before that, as I say, you say about full credit to the team and getting, you know, because there wasn't many fans in there that didn't look at that as a pretty weakened team when you view where Definitely. we've been this season and how our people have played. So, you know, it needed this, what you've just been bringing me on to, that fast start of the game. It needed that to really get people engaged because it was definitely a little bit of a worry going into it. But, um, yeah, it was mad the start to the game, wasn't it? The Bristol Rovers at the bar after about one minute 20. They they shot just wide after about two minutes. Then we went down the other end in the third minute and Brown had a sort of excellent sort of chance to score as well um was it brown i think it was brown i can't remember but yeah uh, um i know o'brien wasn't it o'brien just fired over yeah. and then in the fourth minute we had another really good chance so we were four minutes into the game and i turned around to the lad i was sitting by and i was like that's got to be the most interesting start to a game i've seen all seasons particularly at the meadow so that kind of from the from the fourth minute it was like hello this is an entertaining game of football happening at the meadow everyone was a bit like we better check out check what's going on here and and get excited and, and it just helped really get that early atmosphere going didn't it and obviously then we, we started playing pretty well and you could tell we were, we were we were on it and we were doing pretty well and, and obviously then we got an early goal for once in 16 minutes wasn't it when um we got the first goal so it kind of kept the atmosphere and the fans and the team all on the same page for the first time well not for the first time in weeks but you know that that's definitely what it was like on Saturday and it was it was great to hear to be honest with you yeah definitely there was the obviously the way at Millwall was a fantastic result and Obviously, the yeah. FA Cup, yeah, it kind of dampened everyone's spirit, wasn't it? You weren't sure what you were going to expect at the start of the, but the start of the game and the fans and everyone was, yeah, really up for it. I think it was almost helped that Bristol Rovers brought so many fans, which kind of, you know, always encourages the home fans yes, to kind of does. be a bit noisier. Um, but yeah, so in terms of the goal, it was um, a bit of a funny one, wasn't it? Uh, so very sloppy defending from Bristol Rovers. Their player tried to almost like chest it down or bring the ball under control, didn't he? And then their goalkeeper yeah. came out of off his line. Um, and yep. for some reason tried to keep the ball in play and palmed it back into the in, onto the kept it on the pitch, and then at very tight angle, Dodds just right footed it passed into the back of the net. So yeah, good finish by Todd's uh, a tight angle under pressure, but it was a bit of an odd goal. Yeah, Dodds. Well, Dodds. First of all, Dodds gets credit not just for the finish, but for actually getting involved. You know, he could easily have just stood off and let the defender and the goalkeeper dealt with it, but he pushed him and he pressured him. And talking about town pressuring the Bristol Rovers players, we should come on to that in again a bit more because yeah. for me, it was the most we've pressed a team all season, to be honest with you, and it delivered results. And I hope we see more of that. But yeah, credit to him for getting involved. And then yeah, what was the keeper doing? You know, he could easily have just. Let it go for a corner. You know, our yeah. corners haven't been break great this season. If they'd done any research, they probably would have felt quite comfortable dealing with it. So it probably would have been the lesser of two evils. But yeah, so so poor. And then he just ended up scooping it straight to Dodds's feet. One touch settled himself, and an excellent finish. And um, yeah, madness really. And and that's the sort of that's the sort of thing we've not been punishing teams for in in recent weeks. Or we had, but we were letting three goals in. When we're keeping as many clean sheets as we are now, you know, that's the sort of moment that's going to win us games. You know, that it could just be the one goal where one mistake that teams are making now. So yeah, hopefully yeah. that sort of thing continues. 
Yeah, definitely. And we had a question from Keith Barrow, which was, um, why does the Bristol keeper go down clutching his head when Dodd yeah, scored well, and the physio came on as well? So what was your take on that? I think that, is it, can you experience physical pain from embarrassment? Because that's probably what it was. <laughs> he was just so embarrassed by it that he just went down clutching his head like, ah. But yeah, keep you know we've seen our players do it all season haven't we with certain players going down and feigning injury and rolling around and, and trying to get you know advantage it's just the goalkeeper's version of that isn't it it's a bit bit pathetic but you see it happen all the time don't you with goalkeepers going down dead easy and doing the sort of dying fish routine as they fall to the ground so they know they'll get a free kick so yeah he didn't get it and didn't deserve it and, and let, his, let his team down frankly so that was that was pretty good to be honest with you yeah no that was a solid start to the game and obviously that um, keyed the, um, the atmosphere going and yeah no, it was a good start to the game Good start to game. We, yeah. And in terms of the first half, um, we had several good chances. Um, so we've seen Brown header from the Black Cross. Um, yep. Seb had a good um, chance. Um, Brown had a header as well. And also Brown put quite a few good balls into the box, um, which we've had this debate before. Everyone, you know, is, it, is it a good cross or is it a bad cross? Because no one was on the end of it, but still getting the balls in the box. And... Um, yeah, he was a threat going down. And also, one thing that I also was pleased to see is that Brown seems to have more confidence going at players, and he 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 got past him a few times. You know, not like past him in terms of you know ran past him, but got past him and made some space and got the ball in the box. And I thought Brown was yeah very effective on the left wing. Brown, Brown was great, particularly in the first half. Um, maybe drifted out a little bit in the second half. But the thing about Brown for me is, you know, he's done us a job at left back. He's done us a job at left wing back. You know, he's been a versatile player for us, a player that we've really needed at times. But I still think, I still personally think that he is more of a natural winger and the more he's starting to play there now under this 4-4-2 formation with Hurst we're starting to see his more attacking inclination come out aren't we we talked about this over the last you know in the first few months of this season talking about how we'd taken away that part of Junior Brown's game but you could see him running at players on Saturday and committing them getting past them and you're right getting balls into the box that unfortunately Seb didn't get to a couple of them but you know I'd rather see him put a ball into the box. That's exciting. It's it's more, you know, run at a player, beat a player, put a ball in the box. That's entertainment. That's that's worth your, your entrance fee. That's worth watching. Whereas, you know, under Mellon, it would be tippy-tappy, tippy-tappy and try and feed it in there. And, and so that, that, that sort of more, what I would call, front foot football that we saw on Saturday is, is the sort of thing I want to see continuing. And also added to that, you know, you look at you look at Brown, who particularly stood out, but also O'Brien had a good game on the other wing. They also pressed incredibly high and hard and efficiently. And, and that also was a massive part of why they outplayed Bristol Rovers in the first half. Yeah, no, I have to totally agree. That pressing was fantastic. Uh, maybe we'll come on to the tactics, kind of some of the few points yeah. I'd like to make on tactics at the end. But yeah, the pressing was fantastic. And yeah, I, I, it's a good point about um, about Brown. And it is sometimes you also forget, didn't you know, it's like, this is not a computer game. You know, it's not like on FIFA, you just put Brown at left back, left wing or whatever, and you change it. You have to, you know, readapt mm. and get used to playing in those positions definitely. and he definitely looked a lot more comfortable and also from an from a defensive point of view you know if you're Bristol Rovers and you've got a player who keeps bringing the ball into the box you know you've got to be conscious of that which obviously puts them on the back foot so no it was um it was a good good performance by both of the wingers I'll happily make a prediction you know we like to make the odd prediction on here and sometimes we're gonna look foolish I think in at the end of the season I'm going to do a best and worst predictions from this podcast over the course of this year Ollie I think that'll be a, an interesting thing but I I definitely think that there's absolutely no way Paul Hurst will attempt to get rid of Junior Brown in the in the January transfer window, no. and I also think you'll, you'll end up seeing Junior Brown playing pretty much every week. I don't think he will look for a new left winger. I think that he thinks that Brown with Wally as cover is sufficient in that position, and and that won't be one of the areas we look at. And I know we'll come to talk about transfers, but I I, I do think that there's there's a and also you add into the fact that he also offers you cover at left back as well. So yeah. he is a versatile player, but um. 
yeah, it was good. And and say that one chance he had where it got scooped off the line, he was unlucky not to score really as well in the first half, wasn't he? Because that was a that was a it was a pretty scrappy you know clearance at the end, wasn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, he was. It was um, it was some good. And also that they had that also in the first half, he was had that good um, good closing down by Luke Viler as well. So everyone was really sharp and yeah, really at it, weren't they in the first half? Yeah, they were to be honest with you. And it, I think I read Lewis Cox from the Shropshire Star tweeting about how at the end of the game he couldn't pick one player who had a bad game. And I think it was one of those games, wasn't it? That there was lots of players who had you know seven out of ten and there was a few that had eights pushing nines out of tens and that's that's the sort of thing you want to see every week so yeah you know that first half was probably the most impressive first half we had and I, I think I put on Twitter that I think they had a, they had a couple of snaff, snaffled half chances towards the end of the first half and it would have been really really unfair on town not to have gone in ahead at half time but they, they held on to those chances and Lutweiler did what he needed to do from a couple of crosses and and they deservedly got heartily applauded off at half time which was which was great yeah no it was a really good very good atmosphere and yeah it was um it wasn't just the half time, was it? It was all the subs as well. Everyone was um, standing ovation for as they went off. Yep. But um, yeah, no, it was um, it was good. It was good to see. And I had um, actually had a guest with me, um, a guy I didn't I know. Um, yeah, it was um, it was Dave Mateus's friend. So I um, oh, okay. had, had my mate Phil season ticket, and my girlfriend was thinking of coming, but at the last minute she couldn't come. So I thought, oh, Dave doesn't have a season ticket. I wonder if he was free, but um, he was on um, Christmas um, Santa Claus duty, so he couldn't come. No, he was, Dave, yeah. Yeah, and then he just asked if one of his mates could come, and his mate is um, new to Shrewsbury, he's a West Ham fan, never been to the Meadow before, and um, yeah, I think he had a really enjoyable experience. He was saying, you know, nice stadium, fantastic <laughs> atmosphere, he saw us win, and um, Dave messaged me after the game asking um, how we got on and stuff, and I said, no, it was really good, but I said, obviously, it was nice to um, bring someone to the Meadow and a good atmosphere and a win, yeah. and, um, and me and Dave both agreed that yeah we never would have invited him a month ago so um no imagine if one of those first games in the earlier in the season where we lost just meekly at home would have been anyone's first game it's a wonder anyone ever comes back if that's their first no, game he but. wouldn't have yeah he wouldn't have come back obviously um but it was yeah it was kind of puts into context isn't it you know there's it's been a big change and obviously for you we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here but for you also glenn it was your first win under hearse wasn't it at home i know yeah it's taken a while hasn't it for me to see my yeah. first win under poor hearse but a comprehensive win in the end but um i, I think we should just say about the first half as well was that that, that we were slightly talking about the, the, the sort of loss in the FA Cup and how that could have affected the, the players' confidence because they were obviously going to be on and up from the Millwall game. I know they were very much under pressure, as we, we talked about last week, and, and it was a backs-to-the-walls job, but three points is three points. So we were wondering whether the Fleetwood game would have affected the confidence. But again, the confidence was clear on, on the first half, wasn't it? How about the, the way they were playing front foot? The passing was more crisper. There was more trust in each other. And, and the ways that Paul Hurst is trying to work with them on the pitch in terms of trying to get their heads up and look, it, it seems to be paying dividends. And again, I think the confidence was one of the things that stood out in the first half as well. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And it's just, well, it's football's a, it's a funny game, isn't it? So it's yeah, yep. how, how confidence and um, yeah, the confidence that players have in their form has a massive impact on their performances. And yeah, God knows what Hurst has been doing, but whatever he's been doing has been working. And um, yeah, the second half, maybe we'll go on to the second half now, not if there's anything else. No, it, the main thing was at half time, Rovers obviously knew they'd been. They'd been batted most of that first yeah. half, in all, in all fairness, and and they were only one nil down. And, you know, there's been times this season where we've been saying we were we were quite happy to just be one nil down after that performance because we couldn't play any worse. And I don't think I don't think Rovers could have been worse in the second half than they were in the first half, despite how well we were playing. And they made two substitutions and did something what a lot of what a lot of teams have done against us this season. 
just brought on a little bit more pace, didn't they, up front? And yep. that did get us turned. It did push us back a lot. And the, the first five minutes of the first half was a bit panicky and worry, really, because we, re- well, maybe even 10 minutes, actually, we sat really deep. And um, you did wonder where, where and how we were going to get out. And that the out ball was suddenly not sticking with Seb quite as much. And he looked to then be drifting out the game further on into the second half. So it was a bit of a panicky start to the, to the second half. It didn't look like it was going to be much much the same that it turned out to be in the end. No, I don't know if you heard Ian Black's interview um, at the end of the game. He was saying that they heard their team getting a rollicking from their manager. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so Daryl Clark was really going at them um, at half-time and that clearly had an impact on them because, they, yeah, they really came out on the front foot and, yeah, they basically were playing three strikers in the second half. Yeah, they were. Really pushing us back. Um, but we held out and, um, yeah, maybe it's worth talking about the tactics now. So it was quite interesting what Hurst did. So, you know, obviously their, their full-backs were basically playing like wingers and they were playing with three strikers. Um, so let their central defenders basically on their own. But, yeah, we didn't drift out. So we kept a very tight midfield. Um, yeah. Midfield four. Um, and it revived Brian and and Brown, you know, keeping fairly narrow and just allowing, just leaving the space for their their fullback to kind of push on if he wanted to. Um, but obviously Dodds working tirelessly um, in the number 10 position um, and it worked. Um, it worked really well. Um, I was looking at the stats after the game and um, you know that they didn't have one shot on target. No, I did, I did read that. And, and yeah. To be honest with you, as much as the ball they had and a bit more pressure in the second half, we did we did restrict them. But I think that is probably because we did end up sitting that little bit deeper and, and let them have more of the ball, let them attack us more but we're comfortable in a lot of the situations they got into and, and again that's the confidence from keeping clean sheets and having that well drilled defensive unit now no matter who's stepping in and out of it they're obviously all getting the same message every week in training as to if you end up playing this right left centre back or sorry if you end up playing right centre back or left centre back there's the specific places and situations and ways to deal with it and week on week it seems like not only of the, the the four that were reg- regularly playing they got that message now, but whoever we're bringing into that position is also getting the message now. So it doesn't feel quite as problematic when we're switching players in and out now because the system is the key thing rather than the players in some respects. You yeah. know, and that seems to be the way it's working for me. Yeah, and it's, obviously we were talking about systems quite a lot, weren't we, under um, under Mickey Man, and we never knew what system we were going to play. And no. yeah, having that having that known system, um, it's a bit almost like you know we often like to talk about Premier League and other clubs. It's almost a bit like Chelsea. You know, Fabregas comes into the side and he knows what formation they're playing. You know how they're playing, um, and yeah, and just kind of carry on. So no. Um, mm. The players came no. in and did a good job. Yeah, I think, and I think you're right. And also, the thing that Hurst, obviously, you talk about tactics and tinkering and stuff, is that once he'd seen how Bristol Rovers had changed their setup, you know, we didn't immediately make substitutions, but we tinkered around with our setups and our positioning. And you could see, you know, initially before he got sent off, you could see him pointing people into different positions and then Doyle afterwards. And they they did get to grips with Rovers, didn't they? They actually, it was quite nice to see us adapt as well, and and not not in a structural you know formation change, but actually just adapt to what was going on in the game, manage it, and then again start pushing them back as the half went on which was exactly what we got um and you know that was that was credit to all the players really that were playing uh, you know a few of them tired towards the end i think but it was because we were working so damn hard that you know they they really were still pressing as much as they could that i wasn't surprised that we made as many subs and saw as many people sort of looking quite tired when there was breaks in play you know that's to be expected and that shows the commitment that they put in yeah and um in terms of the subs as well and obviously the squad as well it um, it says a lot about the togetherness of the squad and also the way that the the management have been keeping the um, keeping the players fit um he was mentioning mm. about um seb about how he's been having extra sessions and you know that's not punishment he said that was to keep him match fit and yeah maybe it's worth talking about Seb now I thought he had a really good game he was 
He was he was fantastic. Uh, it was better than I expected. Um, I, I think we're going to come to other things. I don't think he's any kind of answer to our problems for the rest of this season going forward. But in a in a one or maybe two off situation away at Bolton, if he can turn in another performance like he did on Saturday at Bolton and and then disappear off into the sunset, we'll thank him for those two good performances and 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 that'll be that really because he hasn't really offered anything else in all the other games he's played. But on the on the context of one game, he, he ran quite hard, but. For me, he was good for the first thirty minutes, and then and then probably last ten minutes, the first half tired quite quite badly, and, and it was he came over to the West End. Um, I think it was about ten minutes before half time, and you could see he was already struggling. Then obviously half time got the, the fifteen minutes back in his legs and put another good shift in for thirty minutes, and then obviously got his substitution off. So if that's what Hurst's got to do to manage him, fine. He, he did a good job. Obviously couldn't quite get onto the end of a couple of crosses, but if he gets a bit more game time, on, you know, today and, and maybe Nick's one at Bolton, which is the winner. Fine. I, I certainly don't think we'll keep him, Ollie. Um, but you know, you can't be too critical of that performance, I suppose. But I just think I'm just thinking about the football club in a long term context. I don't. I'm not going to go over the top about Stephen Overbanks Blake having one good game when he's been here for three or four months. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> is that <I>, harsh? <laughs> it is a bit harsh because I think he had a really well, good game. But but then he hasn't been. Then at the same time, he has been picked. So what has he been doing training? But yeah, let's not go overboard. But um, I thought yeah. I thought he had a good game. Um, the guy I was sitting next to, who was obviously neutral, um, was saying how well he was playing. You know, holding the ball up, linking the play, which is quite obviously getting someone who's completely fresh to the lead. He didn't know that um, he hadn't been playing. No. Yeah, but I, I know what you're doing. You're looking at it from a longer term viewpoint, not rather than a one off game. And yeah, I don't. I think it's he's not going to. I would be surprised if we kept him on loan unless he's no cheap way. or Crystal um, <laughs> Crystal um, Chess, um, Sh- um, Chesterfield. Um, are happy for us to keep him on a cheap deal or something like that, but yeah, I Maybe. can't see it happening. But um, yeah, but he did really well, and he deserved his standing innovation when he went off the pitch. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it just struck me as a sort of good performance that John Louis Akpapa would have put in last season. So, and I never really thought Akpapa was a, was a striker that was going to keep us in League One, and I don't think Ebanks Blake's a striker that keeps in League One. But yeah, there you go. He got, he got, he got a, a standing innovation. His next goal is will he score a goal for Shrewsbury before he does eventually go back off loan? So that's his next mission. We shall see if he can achieve that. But but yeah, I, I don't think I'm being unnecessarily harsh because you know he is one of those players that's been a big disappointment. And um, yeah, I just think that you know it's one of the reasons why we're in the situation of trying to scrabble back out of trouble is because of some of these players that didn't really put it in at the start of the season. So whatever the reasons are for it, there we go. Let's let's leave it. But yeah, decent performance yeah. In, in general, and and uh, and that's fine. I think you could say the same thing about a few of the few of the players that came in. But um, yeah, there was there was that. He, he wasn't anyone to get a stand innovation, was he? Because obviously. Uh, Jim O'Brien went off and got a stand innovation as well. It's yep. probably the first time he's had one of those at the Meadow as well. So, you know, there are players who, you know, we probably put Jim O'Brien in the same category of disappointing signings that have not really done what we would have expected. So, yeah, if he's getting stand innovations now and, and getting starting to get the respect and the um, the performance level out of him that we'd expect, and that's just that's good. And obviously, he is a player not on loan, so he's going to be here for the rest of the season. So. The more the more he can play up, the better. Frankly, so um, it was good though. I mean, we haven't talked about the goal yet, but I should. I do just want to talk about what happened when Jim O'Brien went off. So everyone was obviously applauding him. He was having a stand innovation when he went off. But in the minute before he went off, he'd come over to get a throw in. I don't know if you'd seen. He'd come right over to obviously waste as much time as possible, and he he spotted the ball boy and told the ball boy, right. We need to slow this down now when we get the ball back. So he might whispered something the ball was in, and the ball boy did a run all the way around the pitch and, and basically told all the other ball boys to slow down. And he didn't get back by the West End until Jim O'Brien was getting subbed off. And as Jim O'Brien was getting subbed off, everyone started applauding the ball boy when he got back. So I thought that was quite good from uh, Jim O'Brien to sort of keep us keep us in the game. And also the ball boy, fair play, he deserves some credit. Sign him up. Yeah, no, he did really well. It was really funny, wasn't it? Because the Block 19 started singing, um, give us a wave to the ball boy. And yeah, it was a yeah, special moment for him. But yeah, he did fantastically. Well, he's got a good set of lungs on him, hasn't he? He, went, he didn't stop. I know, fit than me. 
<laughs> yeah, it's fitter than me. Yeah, he's fitter than me at the moment. I've been putting yeah, a little bit of timber on Christmas. Wait. Christmas. Yeah, I need to. Yeah. I, I keep thinking every day. Oh, I should go for a run. But anyway, um, so yeah, that was good. And then yes, yeah, so maybe we talk about the the final goal, and then we can maybe just talk about a couple of other players, um, their performances. So we needed that penalty, didn't it? it came at the right time um, to yes. release some pressure. We, I'm kind of stealing your notes, but that's what yeah happened, wasn't it? I, I no. was not sure if it really was a penalty. It seemed a bit harsh. Yeah, it's fifty fifty, wasn't it? You've seen him given if it is against yeah. us, I'd have moaned about it because we got it. <laughs> there we go. I don't in general I don't think the ref was that good. He was quite pernickety and yeah, he a lot was. of free kicks that weren't free kicks and a lot of free kicks he missed that weren't free kicks. I didn't think he was all that good. But at this stage of the game where we are in the league, I don't I'm not gonna talk about it in anything other than positive terms because we needed that penalty and it basically when we got that goal and black great stepped up confidently this time unlike Peterborough I didn't think he was going to miss Ollie I don't know about you I thought it was a confident penalty um, uh, wasn't worried wasn't... in fact I remember turning around and shouting at you because you sit just behind me I remember turning around and shouting at you I'm not worried <laughs> and you were like uh? so um, uh, yeah, yeah. Good and, and it basically got their heads down after it went in didn't it yeah it did it, it ended the game um, he scored on the um, 70 th- um, 73rd minute um, so it was an important goal and yeah that was kind of game over then wasn't it um very good penalty, really blasted to the back of the net. Did, did I think he was going to score? This is Shrewsbury Town. Um, we were bottom of the league. I don't really take anything for granted until it's done. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was a good penalty, and um, yeah, kind of um, it was nice to see him get um, get a goal. And yeah, he, he did a really good job. Obviously, um, he talked in his post match about he gave Dodds the opportunity to take the pen, but he um, said to Blackie he could take That's it. Yeah, so fair play to him. He scored and he did the job. And um, yeah, maybe while we're just talking, while we're talking about the penalty, I thought Black had a pretty decent game. Um, his passing wasn't hundred percent, but he is a League One player. No. I thought he had a pretty decent game. Yeah, again, he wasn't one of the sort of three or four standout players who we'll probably talk about in the um, man of the match vote, obviously, that we always do. But yeah, you couldn't complain about his performance. It was committed. He, he pressed as well as anyone did in the midfield. He probably sat a little bit deeper than Nagogo at times. Nagogo probably got out and pressed the centre backs a bit more than, than Black did in the game, I suppose. But that's that they're different players and that's their different roles, isn't it? So yeah. again, I'm going to sit here and say I couldn't complain about my performance, and it's about replicating performance now. It's not about you know let's let's throw the you know let's throw the bunting out we've won a home game and put an entertaining performance and players who haven't turned up for three months have, have done a job let's not go overboard no. let's build now it's two wins in a row these lads are doing a job for the moment but they've got a long way to go a lot of them to convince me that they're, they're going to have been good enough this season and this is the first step for a few of them on that on that train now so hopefully the performance keeps up but it's, it's passing as I say it wasn't totally accurate but it was better than it has been in a lot of games this season and he was committed in the tackle, avoided silly bookings, which is something you've always got to compliment Ian Black on. So, yep, let's see more of that as well. Um, but yeah, there were, there were certain players that stood out more for me, Ollie, and I think we'll probably talk about the three or four of them in a minute. But yeah, I think that um, he did well enough. Yeah, no, he did. And I think also, yeah, your comments there about um, about Black, that he's, you know, you know, let's not go overboard, he's doing better. I think no. that can be said about quite a few players. So O'Brien has yeah. been a good example. Dodds as well, you know, first 10 games of the season, he was pretty poor. Um but yeah, it's um, it's good, and yeah, it's just obviously we're talking about the Brasurovs game. So yeah, in that in context of this game, they did really well, and um, yeah, definitely um, deserved the win, and definitely deserved the applaud from the fans. And yeah, that's all you want to see, isn't it? It was definitely that. And as I say, once that penalty went, it was it was game over, wasn't it? I, I tweeted with about five or six minutes to go. This I'm not even worried. We're not even worried about there being a lot of injury time because we were comfortable. Rovers had gone into their own shell. Um, we'd done a fantastic job of of closing up that because the, they had a guy up front, didn't they? Um, I think it's Taylor. Is it May Taylor or Matt Taylor? Can't yeah, Matt Taylor, name. yeah. But um, he's got like 16 goals, hasn't he? And was one of the top goal scorers in League Two last season. He's a, a cracking player. Yeah. I have to say, 
Dom Smith and Ollie Lancashire for the fact that they've already played this season in, in some respects in League One um, and a pretty new centre-back pairing. How well did they deal with a really, really good striker like that? He had a lot of ball and he was getting in channels and he was and he was, he was was getting a lot of a ball in attacking positions, but every time they closed him down or forced him to play a difficult pass, I thought they were really good in the way they dealt with him. Yeah, it was it was very positive from how they played. And yeah, it was probably worth talking about Dom Smith now because I don't think either of us have put him in our top three, but I thought he had a good game. No, unfortunately not. Yeah, he got pushed off the ball a few times too easily. And I think that would just come from... Um, a bit of experience, maybe a bit of extra strength, and just yeah, just kind of getting used to playing um, league on football because um, the first yeah. start he's made for a while at central defence. But I think it was also one thing I found quite encouraging and quite interesting is how Lancashire trusted him. You know, he didn't. I was keeping yeah. an eye on them throughout the game, and it wasn't like he was like babysitting him. You know, he wasn't like you know leading him through the game. He was trusting him to 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 win his own battles. And um, yeah, the back four did a, a new again. It's almost like a new back four again, wasn't it? With Sadler, um, yep. Sadler, Lancashire, Smith, and Grimmer. But they did a really really good job with Lutweiler as well. Obviously, keeping he's obviously Lutweiler keeps talking all the time. And no, um, Dom Smith did really well. And yeah, it's good to see, isn't it? A, a youth player playing in the first team and um, um, doing well. Someone behind me explained, exclaimed just before the end of the game, how the hell was he playing for Barrow for the start of this season? In, yeah. in all seriousness, he looks a fairly accomplished league I think that was me. when you play him in that position. Yeah, oh, it was you, was it? There you go then. I said it was some nutcase sitting behind me, Ollie. <laughs> um, yeah, that was me. I was talking to the, the guy next to me telling me he was on loan at Barrow, non-league. Oh, there you go. Then. <laughs> there you go. I just take everything from the people sitting around me. So, um, But yeah, I, I think he's a cracking player. I, I've, I'm not going to go over it again because I've said what I think about Dom. Yeah. And I, I'm, I think his, his progression is much better suited getting game time in League One than it is going yeah. and playing at a place like Barrow. So it's certainly going to help him playing with better players. And I think we'll see him follow a similar path to Goldson. Uh, you say about, you know, remember when Goldson first came into the team, he had a very, he had a very similar problem about his physicality and getting knocked off the ball. Yeah. And you look at Connor Goldson now, 22, 23 must be now, maybe a bit older. But, you know, as you get older, you do naturally able to put on more muscle mass and strength. And I, I, Dom Smith's a lot younger, isn't he? So he's, he's just going through that same process now. He's probably a little bit shorter, isn't he? But he's going he's gonna to strengthen up and he's going to become, you know, pretty strong as well. Um, so I think he's only probably about as short as El is and it's never really set him back, has it? So... Yeah, there we go. So cracking stuff from Dom Smith. But just before we go on to our top three and of the three players that really did stand out for us, probably just need to talk about our manager getting sent off. What did, what did you make of that strange old affair? Yeah, he he was obviously clearly frustrated because um, the player who shouldn't really <laughs> been a, a foul, um, a bit naive and a little bit of heat at the moment. Um, yeah, where he kind of jumped in. Um, does it really matter? Do I really care? Nah, not really. Um, no, no, no. Um, Hurst is doing a fantastic job. I'm not going to be moaning, making one mistake. Yeah. Um, it's not a great <laughs> um, example of leadership in the sense of getting sent off. Um, but yeah, let's not make too d- a big a deal of it. He, he, he's in his post match. He did have a bit of a smile and a bit of a, a joke. That and then he went and sat in the. Um, with the chairman up higher up, so he normally sits in the press box, isn't he, for the first half? Um, so yeah, it doesn't really matter. I don't know what, what was your view on that, Glenn. No, it's fairly similar, isn't it? I, th- I thought it was quite funny. I thought he was trying to talk himself out of a, of a day's work at Bolton on the Boxing Day, have another day with the family. Because <laughs> I don't know what happens with referees if they get sent off. Do they get? A, will he get a touchline ban for, ban for Bolton? I don't know. But um, yeah, he came onto the pitch, didn't he, and, and moved the ball. That was essentially why he gets sent yeah. off, isn't it? Like a specific rule, you're not allowed to do that. So fair enough. It was a deserved red card. He knows the rules, and he, he comically said afterwards, didn't he? 
about how um, he'd, he'd hardly had ever had a red card in his career or something like that when he was a player, yeah. and now he's got more. He's got the same as a manager as he got as a player. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. It, it's it's good to see that um, he's in he's in the trenches with the lads and still you know kicking every ball literally in the circumstances of Saturday. So um, yeah, it was a bit of a funny moment, wasn't it? And everyone was a bit surprised to see him going off. But he clearly doesn't just like being in the dugout. He doesn't sit there in the first half, and now he's getting himself sent off to avoid being in there. So there we go. <laughs> we should just leave him in the press box all game, I reckon. Yeah, no, it worked, didn't it? And um, the players carried on. Wasn't really any different change in impact. And um, clearly, um, um, Doigie obviously understands exactly what um, what has been asked of them. So no, um, it's pretty pretty yeah. good. And um, yeah, didn't have an impact on the game. And um, yeah, I guess he had the yeah. chance to sit with the chairman. So I'm sure he enjoyed that. So um, no, it was good. And um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to say on this game before we push on to, other, to the top three. Yeah, yeah, we'll do the top three in a minute. There was a couple of other things. I think I was going to read my tweet out that I put at the end of the game because I think it summed up what. Fan towns were thinking as that I put big cheers, clean sheet, goals, entertainment, hope restored, Hurst has got them going, Merry Bloody Christmas, which about summed up how we were feeling, wasn't it, on Saturday? That was about a, as good a summary as you could have, really. And it was nice to see smiles on faces of people who were leaving. Anyway, we got out of the ground, all everyone smiles on their faces, and then we were confronted by Bristol Rovers fans. Can, can I ask a question, Ollie? What's wrong with Bristol Rovers fans? Every time they come, they're like, uh, can I use? I'm going to use the word morons. They they let themselves down, and I, I know that's a massive generalisation because every football club's got a bunch of idiots that follow them, including ourselves. But like, there's always seems to be a bit of anger outside the stadium with Bristol Rovers fans, and there was obviously that chanting about the playoff final they beat us in and, the, and, and all that sort of thing. But I, I, as we were walking back up um, Super Blues Way, and that's the first time I can ever remember this happening in all the time I've been at the new ground. I was walking up out to Otley Road, and a load of Bristol Rose fans, instead of getting on the buses, had come over to the Green Gate. There was no security there stopping them coming right up to it, and so there was our some bunch of our lads on one side just shouting at them, and they were on the other side, and there was like some stones thrown, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And then just as I got up there, the security guards intervened, and do you know what I saw, Ollie? I saw that Bristol Rose fan dressed as the snowman being led away by the security guards. Or they could even have been police. I couldn't really tell. I thought, God, that's pretty depressing, isn't it? Imagine coming all the way from Bristol to Shrewsbury dressed as a snowman and then getting getting, getting sorted out by the security team. I thought, yeah, that that's, that about sums up Christmas, doesn't it, Ollie? Jesus, honestly, what is wrong with them? I don't, I don't get it. You know, you, I, I remember um, one of my best ever away days away at Berry, um, that famous game when we were playing the playoffs. And I remember there's a Shrewsbury Town fan who got thrown out. And like you go all the yeah. way to Berry, he was quite young as well. His parents had paid for him to go there, and then you get thrown out. It's just stupid. I, just, I don't just don't get it, you know. And what does yeah. it achieve? Like, oh yeah, I I told I told some guy I'd never met before and will never see again to f off. Yeah, like, yeah well, well done, mate. Um, congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure your mother's very proud of you. No, I don't get it. It's just a bunch of morons. Um, but, it, but, it, but, um, but there yeah. are certain clubs. I, that I wasn't aware that they called Agro before. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wasn't aware they've called Agro before. They, they're generally. I, I don't. You know, just going from my memories of going to Bristol Rovers and, and them coming to us over times and obviously they haven't played us that many times over the last 10 years because we seem to have crisscrossed leagues while they've been in the conference and we've been in League One but yeah there's always you yeah. know there's the Weetabix thing isn't there which obviously means that they I don't know yeah. whether that puts a, a bigger number on their attendance because it's one of their sort of um, sort of fan related big things that goes on isn't it but um, yeah I, I don't know they, they always they, they, you know they, you can always tell there's a bunch of fans when you've got people congregating down by the bottom of block 19 and just shouting across to them. And there's certain clubs that come that do that, and like Vale, Walsall, you know, more of our local rivals. But Bristol Rovers always seem to have that as well. So I don't know. Strange. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, they went they went they went away with um, a, a nice um, sh- nice um, Shrewsbury um, hello um, happy Christmas Shrop, with a, a Shropshire welcome. Defeat, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh well, there we go. Any is there anything from Paul Hurst comments you want to cover before we just go for our top threes? Um. 
Not really, no, really. Um, he was just um, interesting point that um, Dodds tops the running charts, so that was quite an interesting yeah. little um, comment. Um, deserved victory, Seb did well, great atmosphere. He always, you know, he's, he's very, he's a bit of a politician in the Hearst. He says yeah. the right things, you know. Fans are great again and all that kind of stuff. Good PR. Um, so no, nothing really to say there. It was a pretty, pretty standard Paul Hurst um, post-match interview. Cool. Bit of humour. Um, and yeah, we won the game, so obviously he was pretty chuffed. Super. Well, my my top three, Ollie, for the record was. A go-go. I thought he was outstanding in his in his work rate. I thought he was outstanding. Oh, he was immense. He was a beast, wasn't he? He was a Rolls Royce in midfield. Skipper. I thought he was a good leader. You know, he, he did all the things that you would expect a captain to do. You could see him trying to G players up and get involved. And and everything he did was impressive. His passing was crisp, accurate, short or yeah. long. Um, you know, he is our he's our main player in midfield. And when we don't have him, that's when we don't tick. And when we do have him, that's when we put our best performances in. A bit like when we used to have um, Knight Percival. You know, when he played, we always had our best defensive performances. And in the games he missed, you just, you just saw the edge come off us it's a little bit like that with a go-go at the moment so he's fantastic I really I really rate him um, and I give Brown second uh, for the things we talked about before committed ran at players gave us some entertainment um, also put in balls that other players could have done better with and, and was all around generally fantastic and I gave Matt Sadler number three um, which is interesting as he's been one of my sort of general boo boys over the last few years but I have to say considering he's now been bunted around the back four again quite recently in terms of centre back and then back to left back and, and back and forth he was great again, absolutely great. He didn't let the he was part of the reason that that sort of top scorer for Bristol Rovers didn't get a sniff and didn't put a foot wrong. He's now more confident on the ball, isn't committing sort of crazy challenges in the box like he we went through a period of doing. And it all comes to all that comes for me is regular game time and, and a bit more confidence from the new manager. So, yep, well done, Matt Sadler. I, I'm going to give him great praise for the way he's turned things around in the last two or three months of the season. Yeah, no, he did. He did a good. He did a good job. Um, my top three: a go go again. He led. He led by example. Um, I thought it was really, it was really good. I went for Brown as well. Yeah. And my third choice was um, Seb. He blanked Blake. I thought he, I, th- I thought he led the line well. He won a lot of challenges. Um, you know, a lot of our good play came from um, from his performance. So yeah, yeah. I think he deserved a Fair top three. Good stuff. Well, there we go. We'll, we'll leave the game there. Um, I say that yep. left us in a good position at Christmas. We should just say it left us only a point off being at the relegation zone thanks to bloody Chesterfield beating Bolton. So Bolton know us one. Oh, I know. Bolton know us one on Boxing Day, Ali. They're going to have to let us get at least a point to get out of the relegation zone. But it's fantastic, isn't it? You know, when we were talking about when the new manager, what a daunting task it was. Um, five points. We were five points off the. Um, Really, um, the safety zone, and now we're um, equal points of Chesterfield or Swindon, mm. and three points Amazing. ahead of us of Chesterfield and us. MK Dons on twenty four as well, and Vale, who lost, um, who got who got beaten four um, 0 by AFC Wimbledon. Um, this league is just crazy, isn't it? There's yeah. like crazy results everywhere. Like um, you just never know. Like you take you take the top three out, and maybe Bradford in there as well. But everyone else can beat anyone else. Yeah. Um, so no, so yeah, it was good. So yeah, put us in a nice position, um, and yeah, it'd be a, if we get another win, three on the bounce, that would be huge. But uh, yes. but no, good. He, we're all... going to Christmas and a, a bit more optimism. Yeah, Paul Hurst deserves a lot of credit. We should say that, and, and we've said it, you know, in, in previous weeks. But now, what he's done so far has been remarkable, really, from where we were. And, and I saw one of my friends that normally sits by me. We went to sit with his dad on Saturday, and um, he he said at the end of the game that he thinks look, Hurst is already a legend in the making. And it won't take much for for him to keep us up and and put some pretty entertaining performances in at home for people to already put him in a a very high you know high regard. So he's taking the first steps towards that, and I hope he does end up being a legend because it means we will be in League One for a while. So that was good. So we'll, we'll park that game there now, and we'll go on to some Saturday yep. news, and then we'll wrap it up, and we can go away and start wrapping up our Christmas plans, Ollie. <laughs> Revelation, Shrewsbury have been. 
full of ideas, full of confidence, and a lot of football. Maguire's corner, Chapman, it's there! So, Salop News. So, um, we thought we'd give um, an update. So, obviously, every week we talk about our top three. Um, so, yeah, we thought it'd be nice to give you guys a bit of an update um, of who our top three is. So, you yeah, have a little think. Who do you think is our top three? And, um, yeah, Glenn, if you want to just share um, who's who's the top three we've got at yeah, the moment. Th- thinking time. Do, 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 do. Right. Um, as, as Ollie just said then, we give, like, ten points to the person we say is our man of the match, and then our second gets five points, and our, our third gets three points. So, we've been totting up as we go through the season now. So, I thought at Christmas, sort of roughly getting towards halfway through the season, uh, shortest day of the year. That doesn't really make any difference, but um, yeah, we thought <laughs> we thought we'd just uh, give everyone an update. So at the moment, we've got Deegan ahead. Um, we've got Lutweiler second and Brown third. So I think that's fairly fair, isn't it, on the basis of the season gone so far, Ollie, as to our three sort of best players that we've had so far this season. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that Dodds isn't um, in there. Nope. But that kind of highlights, isn't it, that um, for a lot of the season he hasn't been performing. Um, so no, I think that's quite fair and it's quite um, indicative, isn't it, of, um, of who has been playing well. Yeah. So Dod- no, it's interesting to see that Deegan's up there. Dodds is sort and you'd of... expect him to come back into the side, wouldn't you? Yeah, Dodds is about... Um... Dodds is about fourth or fifth down on it. So just each, if you add up the points, um, Deegan's got seventy-four, Lutweiler's got sixty-three, Brown's got fifty-three. Dodds is down on sort of early mid twenties, but he is one of the sort of, after, you know, most of the rest of the players are a long way behind that top three. So it's going to be interesting to see if players like a Gogo now he's back start to accrue more points and start catching up. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes because obviously it's a, it's it's a long way to go and and more players can get into it. And I say we're going to give a trophy out at the end of the season to someone for it. So uh, yes, we shall see how it goes. But it was just good to have an update really and see see where we are wasn't it so um yeah we'll move on to the to the news now really which is uh well, not really news is it, Ollie? you wanted to have a quick chat about the january transfer window because we had a question from alex crossland didn't we do you want to do you want to say what the question was yeah so it was just like your wish list for transfer window who would what would you like to sign in terms mm. of um, positions um i think if we keep tony and warring well warring sorry um, I think we still need another striker. Mm. Let's, let's assume that Ebanks Blake leaves. I think we could do with a top top striker. You know, I, I know this is a little bit dreamlike. But, you know, if we could get someone like Matt Taylor, you know, a proper yep. GM from non-league or somewhere like that, that would be like you know, that'd be that'd be dream. That'd be in dreamland. Um, I think two wingers. I think central midfield were fine. Um, I think we could do with at least definitely at least one winger. Wally just never seems to be fit it's really frustrating he never seems to be able to maintain a level of fitness no. um, so yeah potentially two wingers maybe a full maybe a fullback as well so maybe one winger I think we need at least three players um, what about yourself Lynn? yeah I, I think I agree with you I, I took this as just if it was you know if I was putting my letter up the up the chimney to Santa with a wish list of, of play one position I'd strengthen for, for me I, I would cut my losses with Tony Evans Blake and Waring They've all done bits and pieces during the season, but I, I'd like to see Paul Hurst go out and get two players that fit his system. Not that he's trying to, you know, bring into his system. If he gets the money to spend, I'd like him to go and find the two strikers that he's either worked with or has had them tracked for a long time. And, and you know, there's players that he's had at Grimsby that I wouldn't mind seeing coming in with a bit of pace and a bit of trickery. Because despite all three of the strikers that I've talked about there, none of them have that, you know, ability to unlock a defence as well as score goals. And you, you want a player like, a bit like Andy Mangan, really, but obviously of a higher level for League One. I'd like to go and find a player like that. So I don't know who. I don't know who's out there, but that's what I would have on my list. I'd, I'd have two strikers. That's what I'd have. And um, did you see the article um, by Lewis um, Cox of the Shropshire Star um, where he was talking about a couple of players that we apparently have on loan? Yes. Um, um, so that was interesting. So um, though, um, for those who haven't seen it, it's basically looking at a, a non-league player who plays on the on the wing and a non-league player plays at fullback. Both of them, um, and one of them was actually an athlete when he was younger. Um, both of them, 
Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, he wasn't a high jumper. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, shot putter. Um, yeah, he's really, yeah, he's really, he's really broad. Um, no, um, yeah, pace, pace was key, yes. and yeah, pace in League One. That's the big difference between League One and League Two is um, a lot of pace. So no, that's encouraging. So so yeah, so not too much to say yet. So obviously, um, Sarsovic is gone. Um, Charlie's left, Mangan's left, so a couple of players have left. Um, and yeah, I, from all the things we hear and, and what Paul Hurst has been saying, it sounds like we're going to have a busy um, a busy January month, so it's going to be exciting for the fans. And yeah, all those rumours start flying around, so it's going to give people um, something to, to discuss mm. um, over, over Christmas and January. The setup news section is going to get longer again, Ollie, as it was at the start of the season. Yeah, so, I think um, it is. That'll be good. So, so yeah, go on. Uh, the, the last thing was th- that we saw just today while we were recording this. Obviously, we wouldn't have talked about this um, uh, prior to us recording on a Sunday, but because we're recording on the Wednesday evening now, we've got a bit of time to talk about it. But Roland has come out with his Christmas uh, message to the people, um, which you've obviously had a look at today. Ollie, I've had a little look at it. What, what do you What do you take from it and his message to the to the fans? Yeah, it was um, it was it was a bit more polished than usual. So it's fair play to that, and it's fair play for him to come in out again. You know, it's one of the things he does get criticised for is not talking to the fans. He made didn't make say too much, but obviously the the, the terrible home form or anything he didn't make any comments like that, which fair enough, whatever. Um, mm. So he was honest about it. he was talking more about his history of um, his history of of leading the, the the club. So I think overall, let's not go into too much detail. But obviously, he came in, we were in debt and gay meadow and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we he was honest know, about we've... some of the appointments he's made. Yes, which is quite interesting. So that was interesting to say. And also, he made a hint that the, the fans did have an impact on the melon sacking. <laughs> you'd hope that really wouldn't really need to point out that we were utterly utterly terrible i won't swear you know your mom's listening glenn um but we're utterly awful home and also it was interesting as well he also he, he was he's a fan of, he's, he comes from the glenn school of football in terms of he loves 442 yeah. wingers so um i've always said interesting as well i've always said me and the chairman are very similar people with very similar outlooks on, <laughs> on life and football and it, that's obviously started to be proved ollie but yeah i mean it's yeah. true i like 442 wingers as well so i can't disagree with him on that point yeah. it, it, it was it was it was nice to see and i'm, I'm glad that he did it in, in the first circumstance you have to give the man credit for that because as we talked about when we had our discussion about him coming out and having that little pop at the fans as part of the last video, he doesn't like talking and he even made a joke about saying, well, I'm doing these things very regularly now, which was quite funny, I thought. Fair play to him. But um, yeah, it, it would have been nice for him to have thanked the fans a little bit more. He just wished him Merry Christmas. But, you know, there was no no thanks for the fans for sticking with the football club. And you know, he's probably still smarting a little bit from some of the abuse he got just before Mellon got sacked. So maybe that's understandable. But in it was sort of like the football club's am- attempt... And, and rightly so in some respects. Half of it was about his, his, his time at the football club and what he's done, and that's fine. Football club want to sing the praises of that. He is the longest-serving chairman, so it makes sense to have done that now. That's a completely justified thing to do. It's it's a bit galling to say 2016 was a good year, which was kind of the vibe that we got off the field. Maybe it has been with the community thing doing very well and maybe getting the little deal off the ground and, and getting more money in through that and the chaining ground and the other things that Brian's been doing. Yeah, off the field. You probably could say it's been a good year in some respects, but it is difficult when you've paid money all season to watch nothing but dirge at home to say it's been a good year and, you know, escape relegation by the skinnier teeth and then get back in the same situation six months later. So for me, on football insides, it's not been a good 2016, but thankfully off the field, there's been enough to keep us sort of on the right track and solvent and, and, and heading in the right direction to at least think that 
2016 wasn't an absolute unmitigated disaster. My mum said, call it an Annus Horribilius. But in fairness, it wasn't an Annus Horribilius, was it? It was a horrible Annus Horribilius when it comes to the football in some respects. But a football club's more than just football. It isn't to a lot of people, but to a lot of people who are, who are she's returning through and through. The football club offers a lot more in the community and the other things it provides. So you have got to acknowledge that and the knowledge that the work that everyone's done at the football club has done. And I think probably, Ollie, it's fair point there for us to just sort of Say Merry Christmas to everyone at the football club, isn't it, Ollie? And, and thanks for all the work they've done this season, I, but this year, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, they've done well, and I think um, yeah, Brian's come in and carried the good work um, that Mr. Williams was doing, so that was fantastic. And yeah, um, I mean, there's sometimes a bit of debate among fans saying, "Oh, I don't care about a training ground; um, just spend the money on players and stuff." But I think a training ground is key. You know, you think how important an office is to a, a business. You know, how important having good meeting rooms and good structure, and um, you know. You know, when I moved from Cadbury's, um, Mondelez to um, United Biscuits, you know, the office isn't as good and it does have a bit of an impact on your decisions and where you're working and stuff. And But I think a training ground is key. Mm. Um, investing in a proper drain pitch so they can play in it all year. You know, when you bring loan players in or trialists in or, you know, some play, I don't know, a, a Grant Holt, say, you know, who hasn't you know played in the Premier League and is not sure where he's going to go and you bring him in and you've got this nice training ground, this nice stadium. I think that's a big impact. So I think the training ground's a fantastic um, end to the year. And um, yeah, let's hope 2017 can start with a good trans- January transfer window mm. um, and some more victories at home. Yeah, I think you, I completely agree with you, Ollie. I won't repeat the point, but just imagine you're one of those good players that people say we should go out and spend money on and you're, first, you're looking at a number of clubs and you go down the road to, Port Vet, uh, to Burton and you go to St. George's Park and you think, I'd like to train here every day. This Most of my job is done here. And then you come to Shrewsbury and you're taken up to either the back of our stadium where there's a pitch <laughs> or you're taken out to the, the old training ground, which is a bunch of grotty porter cabins that I've been in loads of times and were horrible. Um, you know, who are you going to pick? You'd obviously always pick Burton or, or the clubs with slightly better yeah. facilities. So 100% the money should be invested there. And, and I think that's securing the future. So... Fair play to the football club, and, and that is one of the good things that's happened this year. It, they've got to get it right, though. That final build now, they've got all the buildings up there, has got to look, have to look smart. And, um, you know, as fans, we're going to be able to go up there and look at them, hopefully, and, and see what we think. And I'm, I'm hoping they come up to stuff, and, and it is something the football club can be proud of. If it ends up being like the community hub, then they've done, done a good job. They're the same sort of things, and that place looks smart inside. So hopefully, it's to the same finish. Yeah, no, definitely. It's um, yeah, a good end to the year and um, probably worth looking ahead now. Maybe just do the prediction quickly. Yes. Um, so you remember I was saying earlier in the year, Glenn saying it's a long way to go. Well, you got the score right for Bristol Rovers. Damn right. So you went for 2 0. So you got three points. It's now um, Ollie 17, Glenn 15. So all to play for in the second half of the season. My, my form's mirrored Chief Britain. I'm almost out of the relegation zone now. If it hadn't been you getting the result right, we'd have been pretty pretty even. So I've had a Paul Hurst-esque turnaround in the last few weeks. We're getting a few right. So it's about time. So, yes, we are talking Bolton, aren't we, for our next pick? Um, yep. So I'm obviously, it's 15 points to me and 17 points to you now. So another win and another loss for you and I'll be ahead. So I am going to go confidently for Shrewsbury to lose 2-0 two, <laughs> two <nil> at Bolton <laughs> after this okay. positive podcast. I think Bolton are... Um, I know they didn't play very well last week, but Boxing Day, big crowd... You know, they, they, they there's a tant, a tant amount because of the amount they're charging us that it's a big game for them. So I can see them turning up, unfortunately, and, and maybe putting us to, to the curb. I wouldn't let that disappoint me too much, Shrewsbury Town fan. I think that's one we could take on the chin. Probably one of those games we wouldn't have expected to get anything out of, like Millwall. If we do get anything, fantastic. But for me, I think we'll probably end up just dropping off a level and, and getting beat 2-0. I'm going, so that won't be great, but I reckon that's what'll happen. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think, I think, I think um, Bolton will score two goals. Um, I'm trying to figure out how good their defence is, and it's a it's a bit up and down. Um, it's hard mm. to hard to really tell. Um, 
they've conceded they haven't conceded many goals they've got the best defensive record in the league so yeah I'm going to copy you Glenn as well I'm going to go for 2-0 as well yeah I'm just looking at their squad list they've got quite a few players I'd heard of haven't they but I've, I've lost yeah. the bloody the page the page went off my screen bear with me Ollie yeah and they got like that isn't it I'm, maybe I'm getting wrong haven't they got that like Jay Spearing that used to play for Liverpool or am I thinking of another team no, that's maybe that's Derby. Sure. I'm not sure. I haven't, I can't remember to, I haven't done the yeah. research on them. Jay Spearing, yeah, there it is. He's that sort of combative central midfielder that used yep. to play for Liverpool. I remember, remember him. And he, yeah, he's their vice captain and he's a decent player. And they've obviously got Dave Wheater still playing for him. Um, Darren Prattley, who's obviously, uh, the, what's him call it? Prattley used to play for us. God, his name's going out of my head. God, I can't remember. The Prattley used to play for us. That's his kid. Anyway, but um, yeah, he, he almost made the move to Shrewsbury a few years ago. And Ben Alnwick in goal. So they've they got a lot of players. Dean Moxie. You know, Mark Beavers, they're all names you've heard, do you know what I mean? And all names that have been doing it in the Championship or or above for a, quite a while. So it is a tough game against a tough squad and definitely a step up from Millwall. As much as we said that was a tough game, this is a this is a squad that's much harder. And they've also got that Sammy Amiobi on loan and he's been banging them in for them this season as well and he scored a great goal uh, the week before last. So it's a toughie. It's definitely going to test us. But um, I'm going to go. Ollie, are you going on Boxing Day? No, no, I'm not. Um, 50% because I think 28 quid for League One football is a... A disgrace. Um, Correct. But also, I decided that, um, yeah, I haven't been to a boxing day with my family for nine years. So, um, yeah, I <laughs> thought I'd spend um, go to my family's. So, yeah, I'm going to spend um, Christmas and a boxing day with my family for a change. So, um, yeah, I'll be um, listening keenly, um, listen to Shrew's player on my on my phone, I'm sure, to keep a, keep an eye on what's going on. But, um, yeah, looking forward to hearing about... Um, your view of the game and I'm not sure mm. when we're going to do a pod we want to have a bit spend a bit of time England travel a lot we work so we want to have a bit of a, a nice Christmas so yeah probably we haven't quite decided when we're going to do the next pod maybe after New Year's Day but um we'll see yeah I think we might leave it the three games now so let yeah. the, the Christmas fixtures play out and then do a lot of little summary after Christmas because that's a nice time to sort of pick up the baton and it also gives us a nice a nice break for Christmas but for me, for me I'll ask you what you're doing for Christmas for me my Christmases have always been the same since I grew up where I was living at home or since I got married and had children we always go and have a Christmas meal like my parents and obviously talked about them on this podcast a lot because they're the, they're the ones that got me into being a Shrewsbury Town fan when I was a child and they still go now so we shall be there and my mum and dad wouldn't expect anything else other than me and my brother disappearing off to, Bo- uh, to Bolton on Boxing Day because we've always gone my mum and dad would have gone to it if it was a home game but I think it's probably a bit too far for them on Boxing Day so we shall be there on behalf of our family and then we reconvene and pretty much spend the whole time together up till New Year then and we instigated a new family tradition a few years ago which is steak night on New Year's Eve which is amazing best best tradition ever in our family because just having some steak on Christmas on New Year's Eve is a lovely thing so yes it's going to be a lovely Christmas and it's it's well deserved and we've, we've done 22 podcasts Ollie so we deserve a bit of a break so I hope you have a nice Christmas where are you going to be at your parents or are you going to be at home or yeah we start a tradition me and Becky where we take it in turns so it's fair uh, my family's huge so we've worked before had 26 people at my parents house for Christmas Day um, Becky's family's five so if she's not there so we take it in turns each year so we're having Becky's family's turn this year and it's kind of also why Boxing Day at my parents well, my, my nan's is um, exciting and uh, yeah, a nice option to see the family because yeah, I live in oh. an hour away from them I don't see them as much so so no I'm really looking forward to Christmas so yeah I'm off now and um, going to the lakes and stuff so no I'm really looking forward to a nice break and um, yeah I'm are you going to many games you're going to the Bolton game I'm tempted by um, the Rochdale game as well I'm probably going to go to all the games over Christmas because I normally do yeah. because I'm off and it's just part of our sort of family traditional things really I suppose yeah I'm definitely tempted by Rochdale um, I'm supposed to be working in the Christmas in between Christmas but I'll finish very early and I think I'll make that trip so I'll see you there mm. Glenn and obviously playing at home we'll definitely go to that one bloody Fleetwood again <laughs> 
Yeah, well, we might we, we might beat them this time, but it'd be a sweet victory if it does come anyway, because it's taken too long to get a victory over Fleetwood. So, uh, yeah, I think that's about it, really. Right, we'll, we'll finish on um, on an hour now, really, another no, another hour long podcast. But hopefully, you get, if you, if you're having family problems on Christmas Day, you can just go away and listen to this podcast. So that's fine. But Merry Christmas to all of our listeners, and we appreciate all the support we've had this year. Um, and yeah, Happy New Year to everyone, and we'll speak to you in 2017, where we'll hopefully be heading up the league. Yep. Cheers, good. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. And, um, yeah, Happy New Year to everyone. Hopefully, everyone enjoys. A few beers, a few mince pies, and um, yeah, <laughs> I think um, I think me and you might be talking about running a bit more in the new year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's definitely good. We might start a running podcast because I really need to lose some weight, Ollie. But anyway, there we go. That's by the by. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy New Cheers, Year, guys. 2017 to everyone, and we'll speak to you next year. Oh!